Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode we're talking about the 1897 Arkansas Airship. That's correct, the 1897 Arkansas Airship. Now before I get started I might just say that where I'm at it's raining pretty steadily. Might be a little background noise. This article comes to us from ExploreSouthernHistory.com. Title says, The Arkansas Airship Mystery of 1897 goes on and says, a 19th century UFO report, question mark, which undoubtedly this is. One of the most mysterious incidents in Arkansas history was actually tied to a series of similar reports that appeared around the nation in the years 1897 to 1898. The alleged incident took place on May 6, 1897 in the Oachita Mountains near Hot Springs. As the story goes, Constable John J. Sumter Jr. and Deputy Sheriff John McLemore were investigating reports of cattle rustling near the community of Jesseville when they came across an unexpected sight. The two men were riding northwest over blue Oachita Mountains when they saw a bright light in the sky. The light disappeared behind a hilltop and the men continued their ride. After a ride of a few more miles, they again saw the light. This time it was much closer to the earth and appeared to be descending and once, and once again disappeared, but after a ride of another half a mile, the men's horses suddenly refused to continue. Looking into the darkness, the two officers quickly saw the reason why. People could be seen moving around with lights. Drawing their weapons, they approached to investigate. Demanding that the mysterious people identify themselves, the two lawmen were startled when a man with a beard approached holding a lantern and announced that he and two companions were traveling the country in an airship. Now, to me, this is a classic case where you have this uh, UFO phenomena and the entities involved with that phenomena trying to blend in for whatever reason and assume the identities of local people. It says, he showed them his unusual craft. They reported it to be a cigar-shaped and about 60 feet long. The mysterious man tried to coax them aboard the craft, but they refused to go. Sounds an awful lot to me like an attempted abduction where this entity uh, has cloaked himself in human form and is actually trying to get these two lawmen to come on this craft with him. Now, it appears as an airship-type craft, but remember, when they first saw it, it appeared as, as a light, as an orb, ball of light. goes on and says, When they returned by the same place later in the night, no trace was seen of the airship or its occupants. Exactly what the men saw remains a mystery to this day. Airplanes and powered blimps had not yet been invented in 1897. Yet, newspapers across the country were filled with such reports. Some speculation that the late 19th century eyewitnesses saw a spacecraft from another planet and aliens. Others believe in more earthly explanations, either an experimental aircraft that was still being kept secret or an outright hoax. Now, the idea that this is an experimental uh, aircraft is just, it's ridiculous. If you do five minutes of research, you'll find out uh, the amount of work and technology uh, that the Germans had to engage in when they uh, first started creating their blimps back for World War One. I. I mean, I think it took like I'm, I want to say like a hundred cows because they used the, the, I believe it was a cap, the lining of the cow stomach to create the fabric that was used in these blimps. It took an awful lot of 
technology to create a powered blimp. Now, even if you think back to the 1700s, the late 1700s, say, when they were uh, creating uh, hot air balloons, it still took a lot of material, and it took it it took a you know the, the technology level uh, only reached in big cities like uh, Paris, France, or maybe uh, in London, England, where they had resource to the materials that they needed to produce to produce uh, the kind of cloth or fabric that would even hold the air in. No way this thing would be flying across Arkansas like this, and there's no way in the world that they had the technology to create something that could have made a cross-country journey. Now it says, It is interesting to note that a resident of Hot Springs area applied for a patent for a flying machine at about the same time. He did not receive his patent, but obviously was experimenting with some type of aircraft. Whether we actually, whether he actually constructed a flying machine is not known. This is another... Uh, rabbit trail, and I find it disappointing that the, the author would, would, would toss that in there to try to sow doubt into this, what's obviously a UFO sighting. Lots of people were applying for patents for all kinds of crazy things. They still do, actually. Uh, and believe me, if this guy would have created a flying machine in 1897, what would that have been, like five years before, uh, or seven years, nine years before the Wright brothers? What was it, Wright brothers? Was it 02 or 07? Listen, if he had created a flying machine, everybody would have known about it. Now the article goes on and says, Whatever the two lawmen saw in Wachita Mountains that night remains, and remains unidentified to this day. No claims of responsibility for the incident have ever surfaced. Not long after the Arkansas incident, a man in Mississippi reported a similar encounter with the airship and described the craft in much the same way. Barring the discovery of more evidence, the 19th century Arkansas UFO sighting must remain one of the mysteries of the Wachita Mountains for now. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, I have a couple of other articles I want to look at here. This first one's from ArkansasOnline.com, written by Ninfa O. Bernard, I believe is what it says. October 3rd, 2022. Title, State Has Long History of UFO Sightings. It says, from 1896 to 1897, people across the country, from California to Arkansas and beyond, reported seeing what they classified as airships. An article in the Arkansas Gazette, printed on April 20th, 1897, reported that Captain Jim Hooten had witnessed the appearance of one such airship. Houghton, a conductor for the Iron Mountain Railroad, was visiting Texarkana to pick up a locomotive to bring back to Little Rock. He decided to go hunting while he waited. As he made his way through the underbrush, he heard the familiar sound of a locomotive air pump and moved toward the sound. As he looked up, he saw an airship land in a field a few acres from where he stood. Houghton and the ship's pilot then had a conversation about the airship's engine before it took off. Houghton was able to make an extremely detailed sketch of the airship when he was interviewed by the Arkansas Gazette two days later. Now, think about this. This guy's a, a railroad engineer. What on earth would he have to gain about lying about this? On May 7, 1897, Constable Sumter and Deputy Sheriff John Mecklemore, this is the one we talked about earlier, spotted a bright light in the sky that quickly disappeared while out riding, while riding outside the city limits. One rainy evening in Hot Springs, as they kept riding, they saw the light again, 
closer to the ground. Now, I have to assume these guys are on horseback. They rode as fast as they could until the horses, yep, could go no further. Then dismounted and drew their weapons. According to the Hot Springs Centennial, they described seeing a 60-foot-long cigar-shaped vessel with several men, shining lights, walking around the ship. It's as if these things just somehow trespass into our dimension. And while they're here, they're trying to camouflage themselves as something else. Sumter and Mecklenburg questioned the captain. He told them he could take them where it was not raining. Sumter and Mecklenburg said they preferred to get wet. The two lawmen let the airship go on its way after finding out that they were, that they were headed to Nashville. Wow. Yeah, supposedly headed to Nashville. On the evening of June 25, 1913, what, 15 years later, numerous Pine Bluff residents reported seeing a mysterious airplane with, with a searchlight on its nose. According to the Pine Bluff Daily Graphic, the members of Dr. J.M. Lemon's family, who lived on West 6th Avenue, and Ned Ballard, a local automobile driver, <laughs> tells you how rare cars were. A local automobile driver reported watching the aircraft for quite a while before it disappeared into a, in a northerly direction. So they saw this UFO, and the only thing they could relate to it was an airplane. Look, there wouldn't have been that many airplanes flying around in 1913, I don't think. On July 4th, 1947, of course, this would be just after World War II, T.L. Huckabee reported seeing a noiseless circular object flying toward the Pine Bluff Arsenal at around noon. Huckabee said that the object had a silver-like coloring and was as big as a washtub. Huckabee was the third such sighting of an unidentified flying object by an Arkansas resident at that time. On August 5, 1950, seven Pine Bluff residents also reported seeing a flying saucer near Pine Bluff the previous night. Charles White, an Arkansas Power and Lights workman, even said that it was the second flying saucer he had seen. He reported seeing his first flying saucer in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1948. On August 4, 1965, in Vinnie Grove, Bill Estep reported seeing a flashing light in the sky. After getting closer, he saw a long, narrow, silver object with lighted windows and a revolving light on top, hovering in the air just above the trees. It's almost as if it was trying to get his attention. The Prairie Grove Police Department was unable to confirm Estep's report, but Officer Reuben Strong told the press that he believed Estep had seen something. That same evening, people all over Fayetteville reported seeing lights in the sky just like Estep. A few days later, two women even reported seeing a strange craft land in a field near Blytheville. Now, that's what you call a mass UFO sighting. Later that August, residents of Fort Smith also reported seeing a strange aircraft in the sky. All these sightings drew the attention of Project Blue Book, a program developed by the United States Air Force to investigate UFO sightings. The Blue Book report on the Fort Smith sighting reported that as many as 1,500 people witnessed the UFO. You know, I like to compare 1897. A sheriff and a deputy are out riding their horses, and they see a UFO they interact with these entities uh, posing as humans around this ship posing as an airship, which, of course, they didn't have airships in 1897. And they report they report what happened. They tell people about their experience, their encounter. But there was no need for the federal government to come investigate and try to cover it up. It was just simply reported. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do things like that every single time? Arkansas continued to report seeing strange objects in the sky even today. 
As a result, several organizations have formed to investigate local Arkansas UFO sightings. The Mutual UFO Network and the National Investigating Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, continue to investigate UFO sightings. There's even an Ozark Mountain UFO conference that is held every April in Eureka Springs. Well, yeah, I thought that was a pretty well-written article. And there's one other one here I want to take a look at real quick. Kind of along the same thing. It says, Tale of a cigar-shaped craft still haunts Spa City history, dated October 30th, 2021. And this is from, uh, it's Hotser News, H-O-T-S-R dot com. Uh, looks like the paper's called the Centennial Record. It's got a pretty good diagram here of, of this uh, what this Captain uh, Hooten had drawn. Uh, kind of an old school, uh, I guess you would almost say steampunk steamship. It's got this, this uh, what would later, I guess, uh, turn out to be what we think of as, as a blimp. You see this cigar-shaped, long, uh, oval uh, canister. Suspended below that uh, is a um, structure with, with windows in the sides of it, like just like you would think of as a blimp, only this thing goes all along the bottom of it. Uh, looks like three big fan-type things or propellers on the side of it, four on the back, uh, a couple of... I I don't know canopies on top suspended on these on these uh, support beams and then it looks like maybe some lights posted on top really a, a, a neat looking sketch nothing existed like this in the real world at this time it says a cigar shaped object hovering northwest of Hot Springs was investigated by local law enforcement the vehicle landed and the pilot stepped out of the craft Inviting the, two, inviting the two officers to travel the sky with him. Lucky for these guys, they didn't get in that thing. Fiction, not according to Brian Irby, archival assistant at the Arkansas History Commission. In fact, Irby told the Centennial Record this story was reported as something that actually happened and was published in the Daily Arkansas Gazette on May 9, 1897. Wasn't that refreshing? Back in 1897 when reliable witnesses such as the sheriff and the deputy saw a UFO and then told people about it, they simply reported the encounter as they experienced it in the paper. It says, this was before we had airplanes, so this is something certainly different, never seen before, Irby said. According to Irby's article in, Encycl in Encyclopedia of Arkansas, it was a rainy evening of May 7th. Constable John J. Sumter and Deputy Sheriff John McLemore were riding horseback outside the city limits. As they were riding, they saw a bright light in the sky that quickly disappeared. Puzzled, but not too alarmed, the two kept on their journey. Suddenly, they saw the light again, this time much closer to the ground. The two lawmen rode on to investigate. According to the account the men gave to the Hot Spring Centennial, quote, they rode until their horses refused to go any farther. They dismounted and drew their weapons. They described seeing a cigar-shaped vessel 60 feet long. Walking around the ship were several men, all shining lights, while another filled a sack with water. Sumter and McLemore asked the men what they were doing. A bearded man holding a lantern came near the policeman and told them that they were traveling through the country on an airship. The presumed pilot of the airship asked if the two lawmen would like to ride in the ship. Saying that he would, saying that he could take us where it was not raining, we told him we believed we preferred to get wet. The pilot said their eventual destination was Nashville, Tennessee. The lawman let the airship go on its way. Wow, 
don't get in the white van. You know, this looks like a classic, classic attempted abduction. But it seems, if you read into the story, it almost seems like these things need to have some sort of consent. Some sort of consent. Maybe even if it's just subconscious. But these guys, they were having none of it. Irby said at the time, no one used the term UFO or, or unidentified flying object, and the flying vehicle was not attributed to aliens, but rather some new invention, perhaps by Thomas Edison. You see, they tried to explain the unexplainable by using the reality that they lived in. In fact, the description of the same flying machine was seen throughout the country, starting in 1896 in California and continuing west. The phenomena was referred to as the Great Airship Mystery. To make things more strange, a similar flying vehicle was reportedly invented by a local rural resident, perhaps inspired by such sightings. Now, we got to call nonsense on this, because remember, we talked about this in the other article. didn't invent anything. He tried to patent a flying machine. But just pat- patenting a daydream is not the same as putting a lighter-than-aircraft up in the air with a whole crew of people, okay? So let's just, let's just do a reality check on this. According to the Arkansas Traveler, the untold story of the Hot Springs airship by Larry Rhodes published in the record, <clears throat> published in the record 2000 by Garland County Historical Society said Joel T. Rice, postmaster of rural Arkansas, 1906, and his sons Rural A. and J.A. Rice had been interested in some form of lighter-than-air flight as early as 1896, a letter from Joel Rice's patent attorney dated October 26, 1897, had advised him that the U.S. Patent Office will not allow patents on flying machines. His attorney's advice notwithstanding, Joel Rice received his patent on his airship design October 29, 1909. Show me the machine, my friend. By this time, a full-scale dirigible had already been constructed and ready for its trials. I got a call total BS on this. Dubbed the Arkansas Traveler, the prototype airship was between 50 and 70 feet in length. The undercarriage or car was a large steel framework suspended from a cigar-shaped balloon filled with highly explosive homemade hydrogen gas, the article said. Oh, give me a break. And, and also tell me that this man had invented his own uh, swarm of drones. Sure. So on the eve of Halloween's Eve, the question remains, are UFOs a part of Spa City's history? The truth may yet be out there. So you can see you can see what links the legacy media will go to to try to um, to try to try to disparage or debunk or just outright lie about a UFO encounter that took place over 125 years ago. Now the newspaper at the time they interviewed the deputy and the sheriff. The deputy and the sheriff gave a detailed report of their encounter, and uh, even after them a few years, I think it was about 15 years later, uh, when, the, when, the, uh, when the local uh, railroad, local, railroad uh, engineer uh, had a similar encounter, he drew a picture of it. Nobody said anything about flying ships. Secondly, uh, in, this, in this paragraph uh, full of idiotic comments, a cigar-shaped balloon filled with Highly explosive homemade hydrogen gas. Will somebody please explain to me how this guy down in uh, the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, created his own hydrogen gas? That that would be very interesting to know because I think there's probably a few uh, a, a few uh, captains of industry today that would like to know how to make cheap hydrogen gas. That's what they tell me. Secondly, it says the undercarriage or car 
was a large steel framework. Now, this is this this is just ridiculous. Think about how much that large carriage of steel framework. I mean, if you have any experience of all handling steel, to imagine that this 60 foot long uh, dirigible is going to be able to carry a uh, steel carriage that runs underneath of it 30, 40, 50, 60 feet made out of steel uh, tall enough for a person to sit down in or stand up in that thing would have to weigh thousands of pounds Okay, so the very idea that somebody in their garage could create this dirigible fill it full of homemade hydrogen and then that balloon they created could lift this uh, you know, multiple thousand pound carriage of steel off the ground is, is just, it's beyond belief. Secondly, um, the person that, that wrote this article didn't do a very good job because if they would have done about five minutes research, uh, they would have found out from, from the uh, Germans' experience when they built the first dirigibles back in World War I, you know, the real, what we think of as modern dirigibles, these things took uh, a tremendous amount of resources to create. First off, they, they, uh, the metal was aluminum, not steel, because the, these dirigibles, even the ones that they built in World War One, would never have been able to to lift these thousands of pound carriages of steel. Secondly, the fabric they used, as I recall, uh, a lot of it was made up of uh, cow gut. They had to be a super because at that time all they had were organic materials, basically. So you had to have something that was really airtight to be able to keep the hydrogen from passing uh, through the fabric. You weren't just going to go out and uh, weave, uh, you know, and make this thing out of cloth. And even if it would have been made out of cloth, this is 1897, okay? Uh, Cotton cloth would have still been expensive. So the notion that uh, some guy and a couple of his kids could have built this 60-foot dirigible capable of carrying uh, a steel carriage that would have weighed 5, 10, 20,000 pounds, it's beyond belief. And there's absolutely no proof that that happened whatsoever. We do have proof and evidence based on the testimony of this local lawman and his deputy that they did see this, what they described as an airship, what we would call today a UFO. And they talk about uh, speaking with the captain, very specifically told them that he was going to Nashville. And this typical, uh, what today what we'd recognize as a ploy that this uh, UFO, along with its uh, entities, was exercising really in an effort to get these people on board that ship. So as I look over these accounts, I really put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in the people that experienced this stuff over 100 years ago because the way they relayed their accounts seems so honest. They're not trying to convince anybody of anything. They're simply relaying the facts. At the same time, the skeptics... Uh, not so much then, but now, 120 years later, uh, want to come along with these uh, ridiculous tales in, as in an attempt to debunk uh, the honest accounts that these witnesses gave us 125 years ago. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.